podcasting from Heroes Media Group with real, relevant, and raw opinions. This is the College Sports Hour with your host, Clint McPherson, and co-host, Greg Dixon. Welcome back, everyone. This is episode 22 of the College Sports Hour. I'm your host, Clint, and I'm sitting here with my partner in crime, Greg. What's going on, brother? Hey, man, 22 weeks, man. 22 weeks of the College Sports Hour, man. It doesn't seem like it's been that long. It seems like we're blowing right through these things, man. It's one of those things that we seem to be kind of dedicated to this, right? About now. 22 episodes in. We better be. <laughs> so it's one of those things where it's like I pitched the idea to you, you're on board, and and man, twenty and we find ourselves twenty two episodes later. That's kind of hard to believe. We started in September of last year during the football season, felt like yep. a, a couple weeks late, <laughs> later than we should have to launch oh, well. a new college sports podcast. But at the end of the day, we we jumped right in, and 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 since then, man, we haven't looked back. That's true, man, and I'm ready to keep it rolling this week. All right, man. Let's talk about what is going down on today's episode. We'll be talking about the NCAA granting a waiver to Ohio State's quarterback, Justin Fields, which is allowing him to play for the Buckeyes in 2019. I remember last week or the week before that, we actually talked about this being something that was going to hurt Ohio State if Justin Fields was not granted that eligibility. But man, big news coming down this week about him actually being able to play immediately, which is which is great for the Buckeyes. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, uh, if we want to jump into stuff right now, man, but, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm shocked, to, to be completely honest with you, uh, on one side of this conversation because there's no way I thought that they would just allow him. I understand that uh, there's some conversations that not necessarily happen behind closed doors, but that Justin Fields made a really good, uh, you know, plea and a conversation as to why he should be allowed to transfer. But I just want to throw this out there because I – I smell conspiracy. <laughs> oh, I, hear I you. smell conspiracy. <laughs> I hear you on that, my man. I, I think um, that is big news for them, though. That's going to help the Buckeyes be immediate contenders, and we'll talk about that here in a second. But we'll also talk about a few non-college football playoff teams from 2018 that are quickly heading in the college football playoff direction after seeing what they've been able to do on the recruiting trail. Then we'll transition right into what's going on during – uh, are actually currently in the college basketball landscape. And then we'll talk about some of the bubble teams, which most of our conversation is going to be focused like normal on the AP Top 25 because they are deserving of that conversation. Yep, let's do it, man. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a hey, – hey, guys, I'm just going to go ahead and let you know this is going to be a great episode for us. So go ahead, sit back, get your popcorn ready because we're ready to throw down on this one. Without a doubt, man. So with that – said guys let's start off with some college football and talk about the ncaa granting a waiver to ohio state's quarterback justin fields which again like i said allows him to be immediately be eligible to play for the buckeyes in 2019 it uh as as i said earlier it's surprising to me uh the sense that they allowed they they made this announcement announcing it on friday uh, that he's able to come in there and, and jump right in uh, for this upcoming season. We had mentioned in the last in – and a couple of the last podcasts about how Ohio State's season was really going to hang in the balance a little bit uh, on Justin Fields being able to play because they didn't have anybody proven behind him uh, what was going on here. The, the switchover at head coach now with Ryan Day taking over the position, getting his chance to run the show uh, fully and completely and totally. He, you know, he did a great job in the absence of uh, Urban Meyer last year. And then, uh, man, I tell you what, though, here's, here's where I'm – Here's where I'm coming at from this thing, though, of wondering about what's really happening there behind closed doors. Uh, allowing Justin Fields to play, I think, is a great is a great thing. First of all, let me say that I think it's a I think it's a win for football players uh, to be able to say, hey, you know, coaches can switch and they can go anywhere they want to and be be allowed to coach immediately. Why can't players? So I think this is a great step in the right direction for them. However, I do wonder where the NCAA is sitting on this because of the program that they allowed to do this for. Uh, this is this is one of those unprecedented moves that you. you you know that, that you know in, in years past wouldn't be allowed to take place but now the Ohio State University where chances are they weren't going to be very you know they weren't going to be a top contender or anything like that uh, with without uh, Justin Fields being able to play but somehow some way this season they allow him to come in there and to keep 
Ohio State and what I think will be a very relevant conversation all throughout next year uh, going going all the way up and leading all the way up to uh, the college football playoff. Yeah, and this is an interesting situation totally. When you look at it, it was announced fr- this past Friday. Mm-hmm. And, and for the individuals that don't know this rule that much out there that's that's currently listening to this, typically when, when you have a transfer quarterback, they have to sit out. And they have a one-year waiting period for tra- for basically the transferring student athlete. But right. with this, with them allowing Phils to forego that usual one-year waiting period for that transferring student athlete, man, it just seems like it opens up a can of uh, this is going to be the norm from going forward, right? And when right. when you look at it, it's just like, okay, I got it. He wasn't in the best situation. But he is the expected front runner to win the Buckeyes starting job, right? This spring, when when it starts up in March, he is the clear front runner. Obviously, with his talent, that's why you know Martell ends up leaving. He goes yep. off and does what he does. Yeah, and goes to Miami, which great move on him because I think he saw the writing on the wall. But there was oh. a little bit of rumors when this was happening that that really the only way Fields would actually do this was if he knew something. As far as this is concerned, he kind of had that feeling, like right. Ohio State kind of had that feeling that they were going to be able to grant, you know, and be able to waive this this rule. Which mm-hmm. again, man, it's it seems like the NCAA on a case per case basis. I'm all about you know them granting the medical you know red shirt and looking yep. at somebody's situation. But this guy was not injured, right? So when you yep. look at it, they continue to adjust the policy and make it just that much easier for transferring athletes to find an immediate path to playing. And and I'm cool with it if you're going to do it and going forward. If right. this is something that is basically going to start the college free agency, as you might would want to say it, <laughs> then, then you might as well just this is what broke through this wall, and this has to be something that continues to happen moving forward or or – you're just again you open like a pandora's box right well let's see so last spring the ncaa adjust uh adjust the transferring rules to uh you know to kind of make it maybe maybe not necessarily make it a little bit easier but to open up some doorways and some pathways for people to be able to transfer who they feel like need to transfer and uh, and the way that it states is they got to be documented mitigation circumstances that the change of schools was made to better impact his health, safety, and well-being of the college football athlete. And so there's a lot of conversations swirling around about why that may, why this may have been worked out. A lot of people are pointing back to an incident that happened uh, where a, a baseball player from UGA uh, may have used a racial slur, if I'm not mistaken, against uh, Justin Fields uh, on that. And that right there may have been it. He, Fields has not confirmed uh, that, that to be true. He hasn't said anything about the conversations that took place between him and the NCAA committee that allowed him to not only that, that, that he went ahead and transferred that then also allowed him to be able to get uh, immediate access to be able to play in this year. Um, but if that's, I mean, you know, if that, if that's the case, okay. Uh, I just, I, we don't know at this point. I mean, we're still speculating ourselves as to what allowed him to be able to get this immediate eligibility to be able to play this season. Yeah, and with that, it's it's almost, and I'm not saying the race car was, you know, whatever this this happened, the racial slur that might have came about it. That's a loophole, right? I mean, right. somebody uses a racial slur against you. Now you can claim the health and safety and well-being, whether you felt intimidated or not. You know, the way you look at Justin Fields, he's a big kid. He's he's yep. an, he's he's a college football player, so I know he's not intimidated by some random UGA player, you know, using a racial slur against him. You know, we go out every day and racial slurs, whether we like it or not, are still used, which is a huge point of contention with, with the, 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 the race baiting, depending on what you're looking at. And I, and I hate that we're still in that type of environment, right? Right. Because right. race, no matter what color you are, this it shouldn't even be thought of yeah. with the time and place we are in in 2019 in the United States or worldwide, whatever you may have it, man. Black, white, you know, whatever. I mean, it just blows my mind um, that this is still an issue that we got going on in in the world today. And because when I look at people, I don't see color, man. I just see people that, that, you know, just want to be 
who they want to be, right? We yeah. can't help what color. We can't help what religions we've grew up in. It's just, it's just a part of life. But again, finding this loophole is just very interesting to me because, you know, it's like, and I'm not saying this was didn't happen because obviously for them to find this loophole or whatever it is, this had to be something that really bothered him or bothered, you know, uh, whatever point in time this took place is very sad yeah. that this could have been the case. But I mean, this is pretty interesting to find well, whoever came up with this or whoever thought of this, whether it was a lawyer or whatever, and I'm sure this has maybe been done before. But at the end of the day, it's it's crazy to think about that, you know, this one that one specific thing, because if you look at it, we can all take the health, safety, and well being if we don't feel right, right? And I'm not right. saying you take the racial part of out of it, but just let's yeah. say, hey, I want to transfer. How can you yeah. prove that my health, safety, and well being was not? you know, well, a, a part in that. And it's going to, that's going to be something that it seems like from this point going forward, anybody's going to be able to use this clause. Well, I mean, I think, I think that there is a certain, there's a certain extent where that, where that's true. I mean, cause it simply says health, self, safety, and well-being. Well, <laughs> I mean, you know, if I go into a hostile, you know, a hostile environment where I'm the visiting team and I mean, exactly. I can certainly, I can certainly say where people were uh, shouting slurs, maybe uh, you know, whatever, whatever they are, you know, at, at me, and you know, okay, well, maybe I don't feel safe now, or you know, or I don't know about my well-being. I don't. Maybe I can say that you, as the university, aren't treating me the way that you said that you would when exactly. you came and recruited me. So I mean, my well-being now is not being taken care of. I don't think you're going to help me get to the next level, like I think, like you said you were going to. So I'm going to go. I feel like it's time for me to go to a program that I think will do a better job of that. So I think it does begin to say, where does the conversation end in that phrase? You know, if we just want to simply wipe away the phrase and, you know, kind of do away with this whole policy about, well, you know what, if you feel like you want to transfer, I don't know that, you know, outside of, you know, any real grounds, if you want to transfer, transfer, you know, you know, once again, I think that I still think that we're holding the athletes to a different standard than we do a coaching staff. Oh, without a doubt. But I just see there's so much, so many things that could fit within that clause, right? Like you can sit there. And talk about anything because I felt intimidated one day because of this or that or because I went into a hostile environment. Take college basketball, for example, and because this is so prevalent in college basketball, and I know it's in college football, but because you're in an open environment, you can't hear it as clearly, right? So when you're in, so when you're in a like a a stadium or you're in one of these basketball courts or domes or whatever they're they're playing in, right? It's such a more compact environment. So when you hear them chanting. I mean, we got some vulgar people out there, right? Sure. Duke has it. I mean, oh, everybody that, yeah. in nationwide, they have crazy chants going on to the, towards the other team. So you can take just you can take it there and be like, look, we went to Boston College, or, or we were playing at home, and, and and because I felt intimidated, I feel like transferring, or because I felt my health, safety, and well being just for some innocent chance, even though they're vulgar or whatever, and pointed directly at you as a person. I mean. I'm just saying this. This can be used for anything. Now let me let me ask you a question. Take out the take out the news of what we're reading about the possibility as to why uh, or, or how Fields was able to get his eligibility for this year. Taking that away, what would you have said was the reason that Justin Fields was transferring? Playing, playing. When, yes. when you think about it, I'm not saying he's not going to be better than From. Or whoever else was going to be in front of him, or whatever, because he yeah. he everybody saw him as a future, right? But yeah. it was like I want immediate playing time because he knows his talent. So that's exactly why, right? Because he if didn't Jake want to have Fromm, to compete. If it had been said that Jake Fromm was no longer the starter next year, he would have and Justin Fields is, is he staying or is he transferring? Oh, absolutely, he's staying. Okay, so I mean, <laughs> but but so, at the end of the day, it, it could possibly be the way they they set him up. And, and sure, and I'm not could, saying that I'm not saying that Kirby Smart and UGA did great by him or right. anything like that. My question is simply this: If Kirby Smart had sat Jake Fromm down and Justin Fields down at the end of the season and said, "Jake, you probably need to go ahead," if, I don't, I, he may, I think he's eligible for the NBA, uh, NFL draft. I don't know if he is or not, but he'd say maybe he's not. But anyways, Jake, you're not going to be the starter next year. We're going to ride with Justin Fields. We feel like he gives us a better chance to win. Does Justin Fields look back at Kirby Smart and say, yeah, you probably want to rethink that decision because I'm transferring and I'm out. No, I mean, absolutely not. So if he knows he's going to be the man going in, number one, he without a doubt staying at UJ. I That's how I believe. Now, sure. I'm not, I can't speak for him and, and this no. racial slur thing, if it, if it is fact, it could have actually stuck with him, right? 
and once again, Justin Fields in a public forum has not confirmed that to be the case. So I mean, make sure we say that. That's true. But at the same time, if, if I was the player, I probably wouldn't do that either because you're opening up this whole thing of like, that's all it. somebody's going to ask you about, yeah. right? You yeah. say, yes, it was. Now they're going to want to know what he said, who right. said it, Who's this, that. It. And I mean, it's just going to be, it's going to be forever ending. So I can see why he would not come out and say anything about it. I mean, I would stick to whatever I was because you, if, if he says something, somebody could possibly catch him in, and, and this is all BS, right? For him moving right. forward, yeah. and like, hey, did, was it really used against you, or what? You know, so I can understand why he, why you be, why you're hush hush, whether you want to protect yourself so the question's not asked about it, or whether you want to protect that this is all fabricated, right? I mean, it, it and I'm not saying it is. Don't, right. don't. I'm not calling this guy out because I, I believe Justin Fields is an honest and and and, and we've got no that, reason to doubt. Him. That's full of integrity, right? Yeah, so we, yeah, we got we got no reason to doubt. He's given us no reason to this point in time that we know of that he's given us any reason to doubt his word at this point in time. Yeah, but at the end of the day, man, this is just like I said. It was interesting. We thought that going forward that it was going to be one of those things to where this was not going to happen. Now it's happened. Even right. though he joins an inexperienced quarterback um, group on Ohio State's 2019 season in fields, he is going to be their number one, right? I mean, you just got to think that. His top competition for the starting spot is expected to be somebody we've already talked about in previous episode, redshirt freshman Matthew Baldwin. So, it, right. it, you know, he could get pushed for that job, but it's it's not something that you take a proven quarterback like Fromm and you're competing against him, right? You're having an unexperienced versus another unexperienced quarterback where you have the more clout behind you because of what you've done previously. Right. So, But the interesting thing is the eligibility boosted Ohio State's odds to win the college football playoff national championship from 12-1 to 8-1. to eight and one. So yeah. right there, right? I mean, that shows you that Ohio State's going to be within it next year. Justin Fields, I mean, yeah, yeah, there's a little bit. You know, we've got a little bit of tape on him. We've seen him play a little bit. But it's really all about upside. Uh, you know, we recognize that there is tremendous upside there for this kid. That's why he's going to Ohio State. That's why he's going to win the starting job. Maybe not. Maybe, he may be better than the cat. I don't know. Than the cat that's already there. I don't. I don't know. But it's all about upside at this point in time. And we're looking at Tua. We're looking at uh, you know Kelly, uh, not Kelly Bryant, but we're, we're, yeah, Kelly Bryant is out the door. <laughs> exactly. But we're looking at. Uh, I mean, we're looking at our cat from from Clemson and everything. We're looking at what these guys are doing. I mean, it, it, Justin Fields. Are, they're thinking he might be a fit, be able to fit in that same category. Yeah. The only thing like we talked about, Matthew. Baldwin having is the the red shirt under him right he's got yeah. he's got to learn the playbook but how much is that playbook going to be the same when you got a new coach coming in right yeah, and exactly. so it, it it a lot of things could change going forward so it kind of evens the playing field for fields going forward Hey, man, it's a, it's a big day for Ohio State. It's a big day for Justin Fields. It's a big day for college football and this ruling coming down. And I think it's a big day for all college football athletes kind of having this win, per se, up underneath their belt and knowing that, hey, there is a chance uh, for transferring to be become a little bit more the norm for us. Yeah, and again, like I said, this might be, even though it's been more prevalent as the years go on, I, this is basically opening up the free agency list of college football, right? It's sure like, enough. hey, I'm not. I got some competition over here. This guy's a proven, true starter. I thought from day one I was going to be it. Let's let's mm -hmm. hit the road, Jack. Right. Here let's go. go to go go to another um, team that's going to be competitive, and I could probably possibly land a starting job. True story. So let's continue to the college football conversation and talk about a few teams that that obviously did not make the college football playoff in 2018 but are quickly, through recruiting and through a little bit of more adjustments, are actually heading in that direction, I believe, in the near future, if not next year and a couple years from now. And so, and this is interesting because right now, we all know who made it last year. We had Alabama, mm -hmm. we had Clemson, we had Notre Dame, we had Oklahoma. So those are the four teams that were actually picked for the college football playoff. We all were there, we all witnessed it. And then, you know, who went on to do what they did? Clemson, right? And so... Right. And so that was the battle of the most recent um, playoff. But now we have a few teams that I think, because of some moves I've been paying attention to, that possibly, you know, and I've picked five of them that, that can possibly close the gap because their recruiting has been insane. And, and the right. efforts, and we know one of them is continuously up there in the recruiting class with, with um, Jimbo Fisher. But, man, these teams could take their conferences by storm next year and actually be the a few teams that possibly derails Clemson's and Alabama's you know dominance going forward in, in, in a year from now, right? 
Well, I mean, yeah, I think you, that's the beauty of a new season is everybody starts out, you know, tied. Everybody starts out at 0-0. Everybody's got dreams. Everybody's got, you know, who's going to be who's going to be the surprise teams this year? Who's going to be teams that sneak in there? Who's going to be teams that come out of nowhere? I don't know that any one of these teams right here are going to be teams that come out of nowhere because they've been kind of knocking on the door a little bit. But it's teams that are certainly closing the gap. I, I still believe that Clemson and Alabama are they, you know, are the, are the you know, are leading the pack. But I, I think you can certainly say that some of these teams are closing the gap. And when you look at it, and let's start with the first team that we're, we're referring to, and that's, that's I've already mentioned his name, Mr. Jimbo Fisher in the Texas A&M Aggies, right? Right. Because not only was he a clutch recruiter when he was at Florida State University, mm-hmm. but he's proven to take it with him over to the SEC. And right now, man, he's become one of the SEC's top recruiting programs. And th- this, is, this is insane because he's currently holding the number three class in the SEC and in the country. I mean, this guy continues to bring in, you know, players that are going to play. Now, right. my thing is he was bringing in some real good recruiting classes for Florida State, but some of these players just don't pan out. You don't always know whatever they're coming with. If they're four or five, they just might not work when they get to college and under the coaching scheme that you implement. But, you know, he continues – he's starting to sign some bigger bodies on the line of scrimmage, which he failed to do because – of his coaches, I guess, um, whether he confided in them too much at Florida State or what, he needs a line of scrimmage. And he's he actually saw, I, I believe from what he's doing at Texas A&M, he saw that as a weakness at Florida State, and he's trying to really make sure that doesn't happen at Texas A&M. Absolutely. Uh, and and let's, let's also think about where he's at now. Not that Florida State, not that you don't recruit to Florida State. Florida State is a name that, in, in, you know, with its history there, it recruits itself. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, uh, Texas A&M, uh, it's not like he is, you know, hurting there either as far as facilities are concerned or in the surrounding <laughs> area. I mean, you know, he's got he's got the lay of the land, you know, to be able to – certainly he's recruiting against other people and up-top programs and stuff like that. But he does have the opportunity there to recruit out some great players. And what he's got right now, he's got one of the youngest, most talented rosters in the country with quarterback Kellen Mond and the majority of his weapons back this season the Aggies are going to add a nucleus of several early enrollees including ESPN 300 defensive end uh DeMaven Leal who is poised to play quickly I mean this guy I mean you know I, I agree with you man Jimbo Fisher's gone out there he's been knocking on doors man he's been getting his boys out there recruiting hard and it's starting to pay off it's starting to show off a little bit here this first his first season there in Texas A&M I would say came as a little bit of a shocker a little bit of a surprise they overachieved slightly I, I would say so there's something to build on there as they move forward and now with these uh, you know top tier recruits that are coming in there this top recruiting class he's got coming on in there he's going to continue to make some noise there in the SEC yeah, and with him able to have those facilities behind him, right? It's not like they're short on money over there at Texas A&M, no. and it's no. not. And if they don't have the premier facilities in the country, they have one of the premier mm-hmm. facilities, right? So he's not going to be hurting in that regard because Florida State, not a bad place, great. You know, that's my team. They've imp- they improved a lot over the years with Jimbo Fisher at the helm. But, you know, it, they're not – they don't have the deep pockets like a Texas A&M, a Texas have. And so he has that. So you're all also able to leverage, you know, and, and, and leverage that. And then right. really fulfill the needs when you, when, you, when you know you're short on a tight end, when you know you're short in the secondary and stuff like that. And you could just focus solely on that. And I think, you know, them focus on the line at Texas A&M over the last two seasons with bringing in some recruits, some safeties. I mean – really are solidifying themselves again a young talented roster so look mm-hmm. forward to the for this texas a&m maggie team to really be a team that's very competitive not only in the sec but in the country and on the verge and, and, and don't be surprised if they make the college football playoff next year or the year after that they're really knocking on the door right now absolutely 100 percent agreed uh but there's another team in that same state that is knocking on that door as well and made a little made a lot of noise this year and certainly did in the All-State Sugar Bowl. <laughs> Without a doubt. And that's Texas, the Texas Longhorns. And so, man, after what they did, that 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 has gotten them a ton of buzz on the recruiting trail, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I know that, hey, we're back scenario. <laughs> probably helped, you know, helped. That's something they probably have playing on the loudspeaker, right? And so no doubt. when you see what they're able to bring in, you know, they most recently acquired the athlete, you know, Brew McCoy, who's, you know, he signed with USC in December, but decided to transfer to Texas, which is a huge deal. Yep. But the reason he went, I believe, really came from Texas is because Cliff, Kling, 
Kingsbury or Kingsbury goes off to the NFL, right? And so exactly. he didn't have that that coach that you know he was looking forward to go over sure. to USC. But man, if granted immediate eligibility by the NCAA, which again here's another situation, <laughs> right? Another right. Justin Fields situation. McCoy will make an immediate impact with the Horns. Um, but even if he's not eligible, man, he is going to be a long-term prospect and something that you know Tom Herman's group can look forward to having and playing for him. Exactly. Uh, I mean, this right here, this right here is a team that that we really saw begin to turn the tables this year, man. They got, as we've mentioned in some previous podcasts, man, they've got some people that are returning, uh, man. They've got a, they've got their quarterback uh, heading into this year. Uh, but Tom Herman's group lost a ton in the trenches on both sides of the ball in, in this previous season. But the Longhorns went out and hit it out of the park during December with, uh, with getting people to sign uh, from in-state of offensive tackle Tyler Johnson and then four-star tackle Isaiah Hoofkin. Uh, Hook Finn, sorry. Uh, uh, man, both of those guys right there are going to be making some impacts coming into this season. It's going to be really, really interesting to see how well they get these guys to jail and how quickly they can. But, man, if they can get these guys to start playing in the trenches the way that the rest of the team operated last year, Texas is going to be a tough out for everybody. I mean, without a doubt. So when you look at it, when, when Texas claims – they're back. You know, the jury is still out on that, right? So sure. we're still, we saw what they were capable of in some spurts last year. We were like, oh, Texas has to do this to claim they're back. They kind of backed that up a little bit, but then took two steps back by losing a game, you know. And so when you look at it, man, under Herman, there's just a different feel right now, right? So exactly. that, yeah. that they haven't felt an, an experience in quite some time in Austin, but there is definitely a chemistry and definitely a confidence that this team has going for them right now. And so you, if you're a Texas fan, if you're if you're involved with Texas Longhorns, I mean, you got to have that optimism going forward. And it seems like one of those teams again that is not too far off on knocking on that college football playoff door. Well, I mean, this right here, uh, you know, every year you hear about Texas. I mean, even even in the years that they're not good, you hear about the the Texas the Texas faithful that are sitting there saying, "Hey, this is going to be the year. This is going to be a year that we that we bounce back." Uh, I think there is legitimate uh, reason to have confidence for Texas moving moving forward now, not just this you know uh, hot air that people would breathe or anything like that. And it, I think Texas really actually is on their way to being back. And uh, so, I mean, you know, but speaking of teams that are on their way to being back. Maybe we got a little team that you know that you know a little something about down there in Florida uh, that might be on its way to being back as well. As much as I want to say that is Florida State, <laughs> and as much as this pains me to say that this is the Florida Gators, I'm gonna go ahead and say it because man, when you look at it, they have arguably one of the best football coaches right now on their sideline. When you when wow. when, when you and I'm gonna say that just for the simple fact that. What he started to do at Mississippi State, which is not a historically a team that you can get playing or trending in the right direction. Sure. You know, and so he, the talent he was able to bring with him and what he's he was actually able to accomplish and I think overachieve in year one by taking an average Franks under the QB1 loses. I mean, he, he you can tell over that period of time, it seemed like he transformed that team to playing like a team the Florida Gators faithful wants them to play like. And he's shown a key eye for identifying developing players throughout his career. And and as much as it pains me that the Florida Gators have Dan Mullen as their, their coach, yeah. I mean, man, this is the team we have to talk about for a second. Well, I mean, you know, you look at what they were able to do this year. They were they were right there competing with Georgia all throughout the year uh, for the uh, SEC East title. So, I mean, they were right there, and nobody really anticipated that that was going to be the case, and especially not that they were going to have the season and the number of wins that they were able to put together with winning 10 games, making it to a New Year's Day Bowl, uh, and beating a Michigan team that – uh, a lot of people throughout the year had Michigan making it into the Final Four. So I mean, you know, this isn't this isn't a squad that anybody needs to dismiss. And it would, I don't think that I'm with you, man. I don't think anybody needs to look at this year as a fluke kind of year. Uh, Dan Mullen is turning this program around, and then he went out and hit the uh, recruiting trail as well, and has got some boys coming in there, got some studs coming in there, uh, recruiting out of Florida and out of Georgia, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to watch this team this year. Yeah, when you look at the limited resources he had at Mississippi State compared to what he has now at Florida, wow! And the player pool that he's going to be able to to select from and compete against, I mean, it's just amazing. And so, and being a coach and being able to leverage that is just strong because you can right. say, "Hey, this is what we did over here, and now we have this." 
and whether it's the coaches you bring in, whether it's the, the facilities that he has now, whether it's you know him able to pull out of certain areas that he wasn't able to focus on at Mississippi State, he has the clout of them being the Florida Gators. Right. I mean, when you say we're the Florida Gators, it means something. I mean, especially in Florida, right? I mean, whether yeah. you're a Florida State, same thing with Florida State, any of that 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 old prestige, what Steve Spurrier started doing for the Florida Gators, and, and what they were able to accomplish. And what that's meant over the years, that means something, but it's just taking the right person to bring that to the front. Like Urban Meyer brought him back, you know, and, right. and, and every and and you just need that coach. And Dan Mullen looks like he's somebody in that coach that can do that. And with this this recruiting trail, this what he did this recruiting cycle, you know, adding the ESPN three hundred cats, you know, the defensive tackle on Jalen Humphreys, the offensive linebacker and Muhammad Diabati. You know, the four-star um, linebacker, Tyrone Hopper. I mean, man, and it, the list goes on with all these 300s, yeah. right? You got Chris yeah, I mean, Steele, right a cornerback. I mean, right man, yeah. it's ridiculous what he's been able to do in this short amount of time. And and I just see that a trend going forward in the Florida Gators being somebody, a team that is a lot closer than, than my team, unfortunately. Well, I mean, a lot of times we talk about momentum. Momentum doesn't just stop when the season ends. I mean, you know, you, depending upon how you end that season, I mean, you got, you catapulted yourself into into spring practices and into off-season training and the recruiting trail and everything like that. Uh, Florida certainly has been able to uh, kickstart some momentum there and move their team a little bit closer and a little bit closer where they're going to be competing with Georgia for that SEC East title again this year. I would agree with that. So let's move on to Penn State, the last two teams we have to talk about. This is a team, remember, they're not elite. They're great. And we're not elite, we're great. you know. But at the end of the day, when you see what James Franklin has been able to do, whether it's his short time, how fast he turned this program around, on the field since 2016, Penn State is 31-9. and nine. So that's not that's you can't take that lightly. That means they're they're doing work. They're they're out right. there winning games, right? And they've been trending up in the recruiting class for a while now. And and so when you when you're leaning on ink, inking, or when you did ink the top five recruiting class in the 2018, and you're currently sitting around the top ten in the class rankings currently, I mean, yep. you you can say that again. Penn State and James Franklin they continue to move forward and continue to find ways. And, and they're not that far off. And I'm not saying they're going to be great. Uh, don't give me your R elite. Uh, no, elite. Uh, sorry. Okay. I'm not going to say they're going to be elite. But, you know, they have a chance to be make an immediate impact and do some good things over there for the Nittany Lions. What do you think about the recruiting class that they had last year being in the top five? I mean, those guys right there have now, now have a year of experience up underneath their belt oh, to be not? able to, you know, after they acclimated to to college football life and, and knowing what that's all about. And now you got this class coming in there as well. I mean, they're they're gonna do nothing but but trend upward. At least they should at least they should be. I mean, you know, we're we're all kind of hedging out hedging all of our bets here about what they are on paper and what we think they're gonna translate into actually on the field. Uh, but man, you got some guys that are coming in here once again this year uh, with the rankings they've got. You got Devin Ford, who's the one uh, among the nation's best at the running back position, uh, man. So and and a second uh, top 300 running back in the class, Noah Kane, that's coming in as well. I mean, that's two offensive studs that are coming in right there. They're going to have a chance to to make an impact. Uh, you got some defensive players that are coming in there. You got a wide receiver, John Dunmore, uh, who, who at one point in time he committed to Florida, had backed out of that one, and now is uh, and now is coming coming to up to uh, play at Penn State. Man, you got some guys that are going to make some impact, and now it's all about if that coaching staff can take those great players and make them elite players. Oh, without a doubt. And I just think that the returning, the recruiting efforts, coupled with the fact that they have the entire two-deep roster and QB Tommy Stevens back, you know, is going to lead us to believe that, again, they're not slowing down anytime soon and they're going to be here to stay. And as as much as, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Penn State, not not sure. anything against it. I just, th- I just hate when you go out and say that, you know, we're great, and then you can't back it up, right? And and that's for anybody. And that's that's whether it's a Florida State coach, it doesn't matter. I just go do your work on the field, right? Just right. do your business and, and let the results speak for itself. But man, like I said, Penn State is going to be a Big Ten contender for years to come, and and that's just with the talent and the in the coaches and what they have going on at Penn State. I just think that's the case. There you go. Let's talk about the last team real quick, Ohio State. I mean, we've talked about them before. We talked about them in the past, but Ohio State. They, I mean, they've been a dominant field for a while over the last several seasons with, with Coach Urban Meyer in the helm. 
recruiting cycle, you know, on the recruiting trail, they've been dominant over the last several seasons. So, you know, now that they have that new coach, you know, Ryan Day at the yep. helm, I and, and so a, a few roster questions, but you kind of went those alleviate a little bit when you know that Justin Fields is going to be QB one coming yep. into this year. Uh, I think for me, the thing that, you know, Justin Fields kind of puts it over the top a little bit. But, I mean, even coming into the season, while we did have question marks at the quarterback position, that defense was coming back pretty much with everybody intact, pretty much with all of it, with the, with the guys that, that they ended the season with. Um, uh, but, so that, but, you know, a little bit, little bit in need of some leadership. And so you got now Greg Madison, uh, higher away from Michigan, was a huge boost to them. He's going to be able to come in there, provide some strong leadership, provide some strong uh, defensive schemes in there that's going to make this front even better than they already were. Definitely. And when you look at it, the 2019 class just, you know, isn't big. But when you look at it, more than half of the 16 signees rank within the ESPN 300. So they have a lot of talent coming in. They've addressed a few issues that they had, you know, in this cycle that should provide depth and early contributions. But man, Ohio State whether they have big classes or not, they get the job done typically on the field, and that's where you want to see it. So don't don't be surprised because Ryan Day did what he did when Coach Urban Meyer was suspended at the beginning of the year. Yeah. With with the talent, he's going to be able to bring in great recruits. You know, Garrett Wilson's a number two ranked receiver in the 2019 cycle. So, you know, Justin Fields is going to have some ballers to throw to. So at the end of the day, Ohio State's not going to be a slouch, and they're going to be another, you know, Big Ten contender for years to come. In general, right? Well, I mean, you think about it too, man. This team, I would imagine, is going to be playing with a little bit of a chip on its shoulder uh, in the sense that uh, they did not make it into the college football playoff last year after having won uh, the Big Ten. And, and I think most everybody agreed that they shouldn't have been in there. But uh, coming out of that now saying, you know what, we were the conference champions of the Big Ten and we were left out of the college football playoff, let's go prove to everybody, you know, what we're really all about. So might be a little bit of that coming into play as well. Uh, the defense will keep them in the games, but it's going to be all about the development of Justin Fields, in my opinion. Yeah, and what really hurt them, really making it, man, was that, that <laughs> the way they just got ran over by Purdue. Yeah, and yeah, then and Purdue didn't help, things. and Purdue didn't help them, you know, later on in the season by doing what True they did. True story. All right, man, that wraps up the, our college football segment. Let's go and jump right in and switch topics and transition right into some college basketball. So week yes, fourteen sir. is in the books, and as we transition to week fifteen, let's take a look at the AP top twenty-five that came out today. Yes, sir. Let's do it, man. Some great things. A little bit of moving and shaking happening there uh, in the top five uh, after a huge matchup on Saturday uh, between, at that time, number two, Duke, and number three, Virginia. And Duke goes into Charlottesville and comes out with a win, baby. That is That was a big win, too, and the way they did it was impressive. So when you look at the NCAA you know, basketball committee, which slated Duke as the number one overall seed in the initial tournament rankings over the weekend, that's huge. Can you blame them? And so when you no you can't and I got it I I see that they kept you can't argue that Tennessee should have stayed number one in the AP sure. because of how everything's going yeah Tennessee's only has one loss Duke has two but when you look at it man I mean even though the Vols <laughs> received forty of the sixty four four first place votes from the media yep. panel I mean y- you can see why Duke is getting the love that they so well deserve after what they did to Virginia over the weekend. If you can't see why Duke's getting the love, then I, my assumption to you is that you have not been watching any Duke basketball games. Uh, they blow out Boston College, which they should have, by 25 earlier in the week. And then they travel into Charlottesville, which is not an easy environment to play in, against that really, really tough defense. And Duke has probably its best three-point shooting night of the year um, uh, coming into that thing. They were one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the uh, in the nation going into that game. And they come out that match just at a blistering pl- pace, uh, able to knock off Virginia, scoring more points on Virginia at home than they've allowed in a decade. Uh, in Charlottesville, uh, so man, it was a man, it was a it was a big win, and uh, D- uh, Virginia would scrap back into it. They'd get as close as about seven, and then uh, Duke would go on a little bit of run, get it back to double digits, and was able to come away with a really big win for that. I, Tennessee, Tennessee should still be number one. I, I, I'm not arguing that they haven't lost, and so until you until you lose, uh, you should still hold your position. But uh, but yeah, man, Duke coming away with a really solid really solid win. Got it. Got some games uh, this week that are going to be interesting, as does Tennessee. 
And I'm fine with, hey, you put Duke at the number one overall seed, but, you know, you keep Tennessee, well-deserved, the state number one in the AP. Yeah. You know, really, at the end of the day, it's all about how you place in the in the tournament anyway. There so, you go. So when you look at it, you know, obviously Tennessee's one, Duke two, you got Gonzaga three, Virginia four. And so when you look at it, at the end of the day, you know, it – the shuffling going around, you know, in in the top 25 in general, it looks like there's a lot of movement heading from the nine spot all the way to the 25 spot. You know, a oh, lot yeah. of shuffling, a lot of big wins, a lot of big losses from those teams outside the top eight. Um, right. it, I, you had a little bit of shuffling going around between Michigan and Nevada in the rankings, mm-hmm. you know, between the six and seven, but not much there. You can't really complain the way Michigan's been playing. Nevada really doesn't play anybody during exactly. the year. Um, so you, you can't really fault them for moving, you know, trading those positions out. But man, when you look at it, Houston moves up three spots. Marquette stays 10. But yep. from then on, man, you just got a whole bunch of shuffling going on. Yeah, Purdue shooting up. Purdue shot up the rank. Villanova moved up one. Uh, Kansas dropped uh, again uh, this week as it's kind of that trend. That trend downward is, is, is starting to see some things happening there with Kansas. And the injuries are starting to catch up with those guys, and they're having a tough time being able to turn things around. Texas Tech jumps up. Uh, Louisville stays the same, but your boys, the Seminoles from Tallahassee, Florida State, with the biggest move of the week, going from 22 to 17. Uh, for this week so man florida state's really turned that ship back around and man they are they're they're back playing like they should have been playing uh all season long yeah when you look at it they like i was saying before a couple weeks ago it was like they didn't have a bad loss and then they go off to lose to pittsburgh and then they lose a boston college games that they just you don't need to lose like right. especially when you're doing what you're doing right you're 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 competing you're in the top 25 but then to reel off some of those games where people expect you to win that kind of hurts you and throws a big blow to you. But when it comes up, like you said, Florida State did move up. They had some huge wins, none bigger than I think the one at home against Louisville this past, yep. this last game, yep. where where they were behind all game. I, you know, I basically wrote them off. They go on this big run. They tie it. They force overtime. And then from then on, once they hit overtime, it was they they shot lights out basically. Pulled that win off, which was great. Um, but you got teams like Virginia Tech moving down. Oh, man. They drop. had a huge drop by falling 11 spots after two losses to Louisville and Clemson. And then to, a team that dropped totally out was, you know, Cincinnati dropped out by, at, well, they dropped out beating Memphis and losing to Houston last week. So when you right. look at it, you know, the, you know, the Cincinnati Bearcats, they've been flirting in the top 25, you know, and, and so with them, and with them falling out, after losing to Houston, even though Houston's a ranked team right now and moved up to what is it? Oh, they're nine? like number nine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you gotta you gotta see that that again, man. This this top twenty five, it's hilarious looking at these teams and and it's almost like the top ten to a certain extent or top eight kind of solidify their position and they continuously, you know, there might be a few shuffling, you know, going sure. on between the top teams, but other than that, man, it seems like everybody else outside the top ten is just trying to figure out where they where they belong. Exactly. And you got I mean yeah, there's still there's still obviously some weeks to play in the regular season here. You got conference tournaments to play, then you've got the big daddy of them all, the NCAA tournament. But I think you're really starting to see that separation from the pack. You got the teams that are consistently good week in and week out, and then you got everybody else. And so I would say that right around that top 10, uh, right around that top 10 mark is kind of where that line's starting to be drawn in the sand. Yeah, I, I would agree. So let how about let's talk a little bit about, you know, just touch a little bit on the power rankings. Okay. And then we'll go right into the bubble watch, which is very interesting to me um, for this week. Yeah, man. So Tennessee has been number one in the ranking in the power ranking since about mid-January uh, when the volunteers were able to escape away from Alabama uh, and then Duke beat Virginia. And, and, and Rick Barnes' team hasn't lost since. Uh, but Tennessee is dropping to number two in the rankings. You mentioned it a few moments ago. Uh, look, part of that is just the way uh, for the last couple of weeks, Tennessee has they've been playing conference games, but they haven't really been playing any top tier uh, competition. The SEC isn't really uh, full of, of rank of top 25 ranked teams where Duke has been playing some some pretty intense competition, having beat Virginia twice. Uh, in that time frame as well. So Duke's jumped up there uh, to number one in the power rankings uh, after beating Virginia for the second time, which we've already talked about. Uh, but man, outside, I mean, you know, the uh, part of that too is the star power. I think you got to look at 
yeah. from a Duke squad as well. Uh, watching, uh, continuing to watch Zion Williamson, Ben, just be a freak of nature. The uh, the block that he had Jeez. on the three point shot. <laughs> but but yeah. hey, just to be fair, okay. Yeah. Now ahead. him him jumping as high as he did. Yeah. One, that's ridiculous. Agreed. But for the three, and I don't remember who was taking the three. Yeah. But did you not see how long? Yeah, it took. It took. Forever. Oh boy, yeah. it yeah. took him like good ten seconds to to catch the ball, set and shoot. I mean, obviously it wasn't ten seconds, but dude, you cannot take that much time when you. It doesn't matter where Zion is on the court. He could have been on the free throw line of the. Other, you have to shoot the rock like right away because he's gonna just jump from nowhere and swat your stuff out of the gym. I mean, and that's exactly what he did. But when was the last time you saw somebody swat a three-point shot like that and send the ball into the third row? And, bas- I mean, oh, uh, and basically clear the shooter, right? Like, he yeah. could have oh, yeah. just continued to elevate. It was it was that ridiculous. That joker was a deer in headlights, though. I mean, he saw he saw Zion come. He's like, I know I need to shoot the ball, but he's running at me. I don't I don't know what to do right now. It, I better shoot now. And then, and then yeah. So it seemed I like he got slower and slower <laughs> as he realized who was actually jumping in the air. It seemed like it just went reverse from then on. And I was like, dude, you're going to be a highlight reel for the rest of your life, right? Like, yeah. for if anything, if oh, your yeah. career doesn't pan out, that's going to be a poster forever. It, it reminds me of the guy that played, uh, that was playing for the, uh, I don't remember, the, the team in the Olympics when Vince Carter jumped over him. Nobody remembered this guy's name. But, you <laughs> exactly. got, but he's still the poster, uh, the poster child for uh, Vince, one of Vince Carter's greatest duck in, in history. Yeah, but when, in talking about Duke and, and, and the difference between the volunteers and with all these different categories and rankings they got, Duke is basically number one in all of them. You know, it's like when you look at the net, Duke. When you look yep. at strength of schedule and non-conference strength of schedule, Duke by a landslide, yep. you know, the Ken Palm, Duke, the BPI, Duke. I mean, it just go on. I mean, well, I mean think about it. <laughs> I, there's, there's an aspect of Duke's game that I don't think anybody pays a lot of attention to because it's it's not something that you, you know, that's that's all that all that sexy or anything like that. But look at the way that Duke plays defense. They are one of the best defensive teams in the country with steals and block shots that they are making, rebounds that they're getting. I mean, everybody – I mean, and granted, so we should be talking about Duke's offensive power. I get it. But, man, between Zion and between Trey Jones, those jokers are playing some amazing defense. And once again, another week goes by, and Trey Jones doesn't get the respect he deserves for the way that he handles the defensive positions that he gets. I don't think he's and – it's, and it's bad to say this, but I don't think that's ever going to come – when you have the other three cats on the floor, right? And it. and I, I don't it. it doesn't matter unless he starts scoring or, or starts blocking shots like Zion or starts jumping like or I just don't think it and I know how big a role he plays. Like, don't get me wrong. Right. I'm not saying that. But the clout, you know, the recruiting that came with Zion it. and RJ Barrett, as unfortunate as it may be, Trey Jones might just continue to be the afterthought until until these players leave, right? And and obviously Trey, I'm not saying Trey could go, right? He yep. can be gone, but you know we'll see how much of impact because I can guarantee if he goes to an NBA team, he's going to make just as big of an impact as he is for that team because you know that point guard position is very valuable. And when you oh, could no and when you could play the role that he's playing for a team, I mean it's just you you need that. I've said it before. We'll say it again. He's not the. He's not the best player on the team, but he is the most important player on the team because everything changes when that guy's not on the floor. No, without a doubt. I just think that you have Zion. Yeah, I get <laughs> and it. Then, and then as long as Zion's on your team, it's, almost, it's the same thing with LeBron. LeBron yeah. goes to teams, everybody's overshadowed. It doesn't yeah. matter. That's why Kyrie Irving leaves. He's overshadowed. He wants to yeah. be the guy. He's, he learns that being the guy is not what it's all cracked out to be, so maybe <laughs> so I want to join LeBron again, right? Yeah. So it's one of those things that – I would. Yeah, oh, without a doubt. I mean, <laughs> if I know I'm going to have a chance every year to go to the finals and, and, yeah. and maybe, okay, we lose it, but at the end of the day, as long as we have a, a, can fit a few pieces together, why not? You know why? Why not continue to ride the ride the ship until until it fully sinks? Because let's do it. LeBron's not going to be there forever. But when you look at it, now we talked about obviously a little bit of the power rankings. Let's transition over to the bubble watch because this is pretty interesting. You know, yeah, man. Th- this is something that we continue to watch. You have teams that are solidified. You have teams that are going to be locks, which you're going to have those 12 teams that come in. Mm-hmm. You're going to have the bids from traditional one-bid leagues, which have the 23 teams that are going to get in. But then you have the bubble. 
And right. and a lot of people think of the bubble as the first four in, the last four out, whatever. And, and that's traditionally how we view it. But man, the bubble right now, where we sit, there are 38 teams fighting for 33 available spots outside of the 12 and the 23 I mentioned. So right. this is very interesting. And you got 18 teams that, you know, according to this list, should be in. Yep. And then you got about 20 teams that get, still got some work to do. And uh, we're just going to kind of break this up by a couple of conferences and, and go through it, man. I think I, I really find this extremely interesting to see. All right, we know that certain teams are locked in. There's, they're they're going to be there no matter what. But it's the teams that are still scrapping, the teams that are still fighting, that have a chance to still make it in there. And once you get in, anything can happen. Hello, UConn. <laughs> exactly. So let's talk about, while we're getting right into it, let's talk about that. Let's start off with the ACC. Yep. Um, and so when you look at it, the locks, the traditional locks that we know that, that unless every, unless the world ends, right? Virginia, right. Duke, and North Carolina. Exactly. They're going to be your guarantees for this All year. All three of those are in the top ten right now. Exactly. So then you look at who should be in, and let's start there. Because we have one team that everybody you know didn't give too much love to. They, they made a lot of noise with an NC State. But then you have... Teams like Louisville, Virginia Tech, Florida State, and Syracuse that should be in. Right. And I, and I agree with every single one of those. All four of those teams uh, are, let's say, three of those teams have are in the top are in the top 25 right now. Syracuse has been flirting with it. They have compress, pro- progressively gotten better. I think they've started being able to uh, shoot the ball a little bit better. They still play that zone defense that gives everybody a fit, that gives everybody a trouble. They could be a tough out for anybody. I could see them certainly squeezing in there at around right around an 11 seed or, or something like that, kind of hanging out there. And let's not forget as well, yes, there might have been some quotation marks around it, some parentheses around it, and a little asterisk around it, but they did beat Duke in Cameron. Let's not forget that. Trey Jones did go down in that game. Cam Reddish was out in that game, but they did beat Duke, and that's still got to carry some weight. Uh, Stop right there. No. Did you just just hear what you said and who was not there and who was out and who was sitting on the bus and who was sleeping in a tent? Did you just not hear what you just said? I got it. But there's a whole bunch of people that were missing out of that puzzle. And they I'm won. saying Duke is awesome, okay? But if you take away their nucleus and you take away this part and that part, they're not the same team. And I so agree, they wh- whether they got the win or not, it's like, hey, everybody, all our star players were sitting. You win, good job for you. But at the end of the day, I got it, okay? But for me, what sticks with me here is, is you know, Florida State, 18-5, and five, right, currently. Right. And so they, they have w- good wins, not, not only over Purdue and LSU, but this Good Louisville team yep. that you know you know have has has made some impressive you know moves lately, but they've actually you know it's funny because they they get you know they get locked in at a four seed for this first initial rankings and they go off and lose you know so we could put an asterisk behind, beside their four seed, but at the end of the day, you know Florida State's losses to Pittsburgh and and, and Boston College really hurt them, but yep. man. When you look at some of the, you know, their only other three losses were Villanova, Virginia, and Duke. So those aren't, like I said, we talked about this earlier. They they have three losses that are, I hate to say quality losses, but they're not against scrubs. Exactly, yeah. And so so three of those five losses, again, were legit. But, man, let's just talk, and we've mentioned this team, but this this NC State Wolfpack team, man, come on. You they're know, still they, hang, they're still hanging around. They, they are. Still got a, they still got a shot here. They got a tough stretch coming up where they got they host Syracuse this week and then pay a visit to Duke in Durham. They could get it done. They could get it, it done. Look, they they have a good coach in Kevin Keats. He's got the guys playing around. But I, even with wins like that, I still don't know that the committee is going to overlook the twenty four point outpouring that they had uh, <laughs> against Virginia Tech. That's a hard. Week ago. Yeah, I, right. I, I just don't, I just don't know that you get around that. I, yeah. I, I understand that NC State's got some work to do. I think they got to go undefeated uh, to <laughs> to be able to still overcome. And even then, I don't know if it's enough. But that I mean that that twenty four point outpouring man is just it's 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 painful. Yeah, and their only real chance to make some noise. I mean, they got some chances, but I, yeah. I, let's just move on because I don't even want to get down that road. All right, well, let's jump into the Big 12 then. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the Big 12. So we, we got the locks, right? Yeah, obviously Kansas. That's I it. Mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's it. But And then it's a big mess after that. you know. And so who should be in? We're looking at Texas Tech, Iowa State, and Kansas State with a right. lot of work to do for everybody else, which is Baylor, TCU, Texas, and Oklahoma. 
I tell you, I, I'm, I'm a little bit uh, surprised that Texas Tech isn't considered a lock at this point. Uh, granted, the wheels could completely fall off. I understand that. But Texas Tech has been has been up there in the top 25 pretty much the entire season. Uh, they played well against Duke. Yeah, they yeah they're not exactly you know the best team or anything like that. But uh, they but at the same time, I mean, this is a good team that I think would do well in the NCAA tournament. I, I would agree with that. They just got to go out there and, and take care of business against teams over the next several days, like the Oklahoma States and the, the yeah. Baylors and Kansases that are still left on our schedule. True story. Um, let's move on and talk about a little bit about, I mean, because I just don't want to really spend too much time anymore on the Big 12 because there's so much, so many question marks there. Right. But when you look at it, let's, let's touch a little bit on the Big East because okay. – Again, a lot of question marks there and, and a few teams like Marquette, which I would say is going to be a lock. Yep. And then you got Villanova, which should be in. But what is your take on that? Yeah, so, uh, man, uh, first of all, let me just say this about Marquette. Once again, a team that probably isn't getting enough love, they are playing really, really good. I mean, they're, they're ranked number 10 in the nation right now. You just don't hear a whole lot about them just because they're not – a you know a, a blue blood or anything like that. They're not a top tier program all the time. But Marquette's playing really good. Villanova will make it in. Uh, I I don't see the committee keeping them keeping them out this season. Uh, they've got uh, they they play in they're playing really really well. They played a great game against Marquette, uh, even though they lost it. I mean in that heartbreaking fashion. They uh, they still won. They had some ugly losses at the beginning of the season, which we talked about ad nauseum. Um, but they they kind of began to to right the ship. And and I think we knew that was going to come too because this was such a younger uh, young team. And they lost the players from last year when they won the national championship. So they had to get the chemistry right. They started doing that now. I see Villanova making it in. Yeah, and, and some of the teams that still have work to do, St. John's, Seton Hall, Butler, and Creighton. So yeah. they're, they got to tighten up a little bit. True story. Let's move on to the Big Ten, which is a little more, you know, uh, uh, is definitely doing better than the last two conferences we talked about as far as locks. Right. You know, when you look at the teams that 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 should be locks currently in the Big Ten, you got Michigan State, Michigan, and Purdue, and other teams that should be in that just you know good one day, not good the other day is Wisconsin, Maryland, Iowa. Right, uh, Wisconsin, I, I would put I would put them a little bit closer to lock than should be in. Yep. Uh, yeah, they've had some ups and some downs, but they've got some really impressive wins too. So I don't know that you can knock that. Uh, Maryland sitting there, uh, they got a good team. They just have, they got to be they got to be more consistent. And then you got uh, Iowa there. I think Iowa's going to be on the outside looking in. Uh, the team that I wanted to talk about was you know you, under work to do. You had Ohio State, Minnesota, and Indiana. Indiana, there's. I, I, there's no way for me that I can see Indiana making it in, man. Uh, we talked about them a couple weeks ago. Could they turn? Could could uh, head coach Archie Miller uh, turn things around for this team, man? No, it's not happening. I, Indiana is not making it into this year's tournament unless they go on some miraculous one, a run and they win their tournament. It's not happening. I would have to agree with that. You know, they, even though they run the table, yeah, but <laughs> the likelihood of that happening, um, not very. No, I agree. Let's move on to the Pac-12. This is just funny to me. I don't, want, I don't want to talk about this. Yeah, it's like, who wants to talk about the Pac-12? We'll just mention them real quick. We don't have to spend much time on it. But who sh- there's uh, the funny thing, there's no lock. There's no lock. Right? And so you look at it and like, what? You want to wipe your eyes a little bit. But so who should be in Washington and work to do Arizona State? Um the Pac-12 is going to get a team in the tournament, and that's going to be it. Uh, <laughs> a team. I mean, a, 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 they're going to get one team in the tournament, and that's it. And that's the guaranteed lock for winning the conference championship, right? Bingo. Like, Bingo. That, that's when you know your conference is struggling. And I would like for it to be Arizona State simply because Bobby Hurley is a Duke grad. But, I mean, at this point, I don't even know if that's going to be the case. True. Let's move on to the SEC, which, mm-hmm. and obviously, we cannot bypass Tennessee and Kentucky. They're locks. But and they play this Saturday, by the way. They play huge. this Saturday night, man. Uh, it's going to be a great game. Huge. And then so should be in, which I've seen, uh, LSU, Mississippi State, and Auburn. Um, and those are very interesting because, you know, we've seen how Auburn could play. We've seen LSU and Mississippi State. These are some talented teams. Man, I'm a little surprised at how far Auburn has fallen. Uh, yep. This season, you know, they were they were up there in the top ten. They played Duke early on in the season, and and they played du- they played Duke really really well. Um, but then they just kind of as it got into conference play, man, Auburn began to fall off fall off the map a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see what the committee does with them. Uh, but man, I, I'm just really shocked at how at how far they've fallen this season. <laughs> Quick. 
quickly, right? We, yeah, I mean, quick, again, yeah. we, we've seen them play. We've seen how talented they are. But when you can't put it together, it's just it's just hard. Let's move on to the American Conference real quick. We'll talk about the lock in Houston. We'll talk about the should be in Cincinnati. And work left to do is UCF and Temple. Houston is a team that, once again, people aren't talking about. I mean, they got one loss on the season. I get that they play in the American Conference. I, I understand that. But one loss is still one loss. Uh, now, I probably I probably should be saying the same thing about Nevada, but but I can't do that. Um, <laughs> but, but Houston's playing really, really well. Yeah, they should be a lock. Cincinnati's a good team, uh, but they, they – just inconsistent again, not being able to, uh, not being able to hit outside shots when they need to, uh, in, to when when they're in close games. But they they'll probably they they should make it in. I'm I'm with them on that. Uh, UCF and Temple. I just don't know that there's enough time and there's enough uh, um, there's there's enough competition for them to still be able to get in. Without a doubt. So when you look at the others that are out there, I mean, you you talk about the Lock and Gonzaga. Obviously, we know those boys can play. The should-be-ins, you know, in Nevada and the Buffaloes. I mean, obviously those teams, we know they can ball. Um, and, and so when you look at it, it's just interesting, right? Because you, you still have Nevada sitting at a four seed with that tw- with a projected four seed, obviously, with that 21-1 and one record or 23-1 yep. and one record, whatever they got going on right now. But it's one of those teams that I just can't be a buyer in because they do not play anybody. And, and that's the that's the crazy thing, man. You you played one ranked opponent this season. You're not going to play anybody else of any real top tier competition until you make it into the NCAA NCAA tournament. That's tough. I mean, that's uh, that that's tough as a team to make sure that you're up and you're ready to go for that when the competition really gets serious. Yeah, no doubt. Oh, yeah. It's like, man, how awesome would it be to see that team run through it? They just not gonna do it. No, no, yeah. It, it's I, like I, as I, much as people want to say, you know, they they can they can make it past the first round. I got it. I just don't see a Nevada or a Buffalo making a deep run this year. That's just me personally. No, no, I'm uh, I'm with you on that, and I would imagine that most of the country is with you on that. So let's take a look at just real quickly and just go over the big games we have going on this week. Man, this is an insane week for college basketball, man. It is. I mean, you got ranked opponent playing, ranked opponent playing, ranked opponent all week long. Monday night, uh, tonight, where we're recording this, you got a big matchup. Number four, Virginia, coming off of a tough loss to Duke, is traveling to number eight, UNC, man. That is going to be a huge game uh, for the ACC. It's also going to be a huge game for the country at large. Tuesday, you got number two, Duke, going up against number 16, Louisville. Big game there. Number 12, Purdue, going against 24, Maryland. 19, LSU, going up against number five, Kentucky. And number 11 Michigan State going up against number 20 Wisconsin all four of those games are on Tuesday night that just blows my mind Uh, we get a little bit of a breather until we go into Saturday night Saturday you got number 24 Maryland going up against number six Michigan number 23 Iowa State playing uh, number 18 Kansas State and then what looks like it's going to be the game of the week number one Tennessee going up against number five Kentucky huge 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 game for some major implications for the SEC and uh, the nation as a whole. Without a doubt. And so immediately after we jump off this podcast and in this episode, I'm definitely tuning in the Virginia-UNC game. And when you look at it, the Duke and LSU game will be my Tuesday. Obviously, I'll follow everybody else because that LSU-Kentucky game is going to be big. But, man, when you look at that Tennessee-Kentucky, that's going to be another huge game. And we're just treated to throughout this season. I mean, it just seems like these great teams are playing against each other. And it's just like, like always, it's amazing to watch and to see how these teams do from week in to week out and see how they can solve these riddles, whether it's injuries, whether it's, you know, them not meshing, you know, learning how to play together. It's just incredible to see how these teams respond and how these coaches make adjustments, especially in the spots they're put in. I love college basketball. That's it. That's it, brother. All right, man, that wraps up this episode. Like always, my man, it was great spending the last hour with you talking some college sports. Hey, man, I love this, man. Thank you so much, College Sports Hour Nation, man. This is so much fun. Thanks for uh, thanks for hanging in there with us, man. Clint, once again, thanks for hooking this thing up, man. I am having a blast talking college football, college basketball with you. Man, this is so much fun. Looking forward to next week already. I, I can't wait, man. So, guys, thank you so much for listening to Episode 22 of the College Sports Hour. Make sure to check out our new website at collegesportshour.com. We have partnered with Radio Public to host our website. This website is drive just for the podcast individual that likes listening to the podcast. It doesn't have, you know... A, 
a million bells and whistles, a million pages, but it does have what you're interested in, and is that is our podcast, our show, and it's going to be fun, guys. Again, check that out at collegesportshour.com and support us by listening to us through our website or the Radio Public app. And and the cool thing about this, guys, and the cool thing, let me just explain to you like why this is important to us. You know, Radio Public is a free podcast app from you can get it on the iPhone, you can get it on your Android. You know, the cool thing is they have user-created playlists and collections like a lot of the other apps out there that you can download your episodes while on Wi-Fi to listen without using your mobile data. You can stream our podcast episodes without waiting for a download, which is cool. And you can also queue episodes to create a personalized and continuous playlist. Download it through the App Store. Get it on Google Play. That is Radio Public. That is an app that you can download directly to your phone and it helps us and we can measure and we can see what you're listening to and how many people listen to it is great, guys. So we just encourage you to listen to us through there, guys. And make sure to like and continue to follow us on Facebook. We want to give a special shout out, like always, to our family and friends to include all of our listeners, guys, our followers and subscribers. Thank you for letting us continue to do what we do And don't forget, guys, to join us next week for another episode of the College Sports Hour.